The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery free in terms of apply, see mcdonalds.com. Hello guys, welcome to the 20th edition of Red Side of the Trent. Do not adjust your headsets, uh, Christian Brown is not missing, uh, he's just taking a, we're, we're just a little swapsies uh, this, this week because he was in Ireland, uh, we've delayed the podcast so we could be a part of it. Um, let me, let me... Uh, Take the reins for this one anyway. Also joined by Reese Lane and uh, Lee Clark as usual. Um, this week has been a phenomenal week after international break. Three wins in a row, uh, taking us to five in, overall in a row as well. Uh, we had a, a fun time at the seaside at Blackpool, winning four goals to one, uh, followed by two 2-0 two home wins against Boom City and Coventry City, uh, respectively. Um, let's start off at Blackpool. Uh, and we're going to start off with you, Christian, uh, because why not? Uh, you, you're normally dishing it all out, so I'm going to dish it out <laughs> to you first. A surprise inclusion of Mr. Scott McKenna coming back into the lineup. How surprised was you? What do you think is in his uh, Weetabix to have made him come back so soon? Uh, the guy's clearly made of iron. I think that's to be obviously like, I, I was genuinely shocked. I think as soon as I saw the team and saw McKenna was starting, I was like, oh, we've won this game. I just had that confidence straight away to see those that those seven letters. Oh, we've won the game! Like it was the rest of it was just a formality for me. And sure enough, like what an absolute colossus! Fantastic performance from him. Uh, so there was one point where he was like marauding down the left wing and nearly got a penalty. He was tripped just outside of it. But no, his um, assist was fantastic. He was sublime, and we're very very lucky to have him at the football club. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you think if he wasn't included, do you think Coop would have gone to a back four? Do you think someone like Jonathan Panzo or even Yates would have stepped into the centre-half role? Because we are better with this system, aren't we? Definitely, yeah. I think it was interesting Umbe Simon made the bench. So I do wonder if that means that he's potentially a lot closer to the first team action than we thought. And it's just a form of these other guys that are preventing him from playing. So I would like to think that he would have gone to the three at the backs. I mean, he seems quite a versatile sort of like ball-playing defender, so so I think he would have been fairly comfortable as that left centre-back. So, yeah, it was definitely one for debate. I mean, I'm not sure Yates would have dropped in, especially with Colback at left-back. But, yeah, I, I would have liked to have thought that Mesa would have got to give it a go, but it does seem that's definitely our system, our preferred way of playing. And, yeah, it's certainly exciting to watch. Yeah. <laughs> uh... I'm going to move on to you, Lee, obviously with a, a goalkeeping uh, situation as well, because uh, Brees Samba come back in goal. Uh, Cooper said after the game that he'd come in because even Orvath had been on international duty and was a bit tired from from the jet lag. Um, is Brees Samba, is that is that choice in Brees Samba justified? And do you think it kind of answers everyone's question of who's our number one keeper? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think... Sides that are challenging for promotion and end of season honours, they don't they don't mess about with their their squad if you like when the best players are fit. Um, as harsh as that might sound towards Horvath, who did very well, I just think that had we been, you know, notoriously foresty uh, and vying for that seventeenth place in the division, I think he probably would have persisted with Horvath to be honest. But the fact that we're actually challenging for something a little bit more glamorous this year 
means that if your best players are fit, that they come in and play. So, yeah, it was the right decision, and I think he's obviously more than justified that with with his performances since. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we're going to move on to the first goal of the game, Reese. Uh, Zink and Argel, bit fortunate with it, but do you think it was deserved on the basis of of the, of the play that we had? Um, before the goal, you'd have to probably say it was pretty cagey, really. But, as, you know, first 10 minutes, you know, their fans created a decent atmosphere, obviously, with ours as well. But, you know, as soon as as soon as we as soon as we got our goal, you know, we just completely took control of the game. You know, on on, on the Sky commentary, he ends that goal with, you know, Forest take control, and then that proved to be the perfect statement because after that, <clears throat> which will come on to, I'm sure, you know, we just completely took control of the game. I I, I thought it was good play as well. Um... Obviously, Yates collected the ball down the right, fed it to Johnson, and, and we've got a knack of this zipping the ball along the floor. And, and Zinkanago does get into good positions, and obviously that is critique. But you've got to be in at the right place at the right time, aren't you? And he, get, he gets into good positions, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. The, the the frustrating thing with Zink for me is he's clearly got the ability because we've seen him do it. You know, the the Reading goal springs to mind away from home. Um, the only thing that frustrates me a little bit is he just holds on to it at times that little extra second a bit too long rather than releasing it. Um, but, you know, very fortunate. <laughs> the goal, very fortuitous. But, you know, when everything's going for you, like it is for Forrest at the minute, then kind of things happen. You know, how many times we've been down in the dumps and we've been done by a goal of that type of nature, cruel deflection. So when it's going for you, it's... Yeah, you take it every day of the week. Definitely. Christian, going to move on to Brennan Johnson's first of the day um, and a new goal celebration to match, uh, which is fitting for the city of Nottingham, obviously, with his little bow and arrow. Um, what did you make of the goal um, and how good is Brennan Johnson? Uh, well, Brennan Johnson is a £25 million player minimum at the minute. I think um, the only thing that will hurt us in regards to getting that valuation, if we choose to sell, of course, is... The year on his contract. Uh, the goal itself, I actually thought that was some of the best football we played all match, actually. The way Spence and Johnson worked the ball so well down that right hand side. And yeah, okay, Yates, you know, he gets a little bit lucky with his cross in the sense that it sort of just pink takes a slight lick up. But I still think, even had the defender not been there, it would have been a very good ball across the box for someone else to try and get to. So, but the way uh, Johnson just struck it, it was just like so clean. Like there was a, it didn't matter what goalkeeper in the world you have there, no one's saving that shot. It just it went like an absolute rocket, and yeah, again, it just highlights just how dangerous Forrest can be down that right hand side because some of that one-two touch movement from Spence and Johnson, just work it into Yates beforehand, was so intricate, so good to see because you know obviously we are this side in the Cooper, which is very pacey, very direct, very physical. Direct in a good way, I mean, like you know, as in like in your faces, like making it hard for position, but. I don't think it sometimes gets a bit overlooked that we are a good side and when we get the ball down and play it, we do it very, very well. And that was a perfect example of that. I think another good point is how well we get forward in numbers. I mean, we saw it from James Garner in the week, which we'll move on to, but Ryan Yates breaking forward there just to, to break yeah. the lines almost and then be able to be in a position to try and cut it back to Johnson, which I do think was his initial intention anyway but a phenomenal strike, but it just shows how confident we are. We're getting players in the box. And that's why I think we're scoring so many goals. Would you agree? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, how many times are we saying, like, uh, to ourselves last year, like, one of the things that fucked me off so much last season was that we put balls into the box, be it Christie or someone else, and no one would be gambling. No one would be there. There'd be, like, one person in the box at best and everyone's sort of hovering around the outside. Now it feels like if a ball's going to go get sent in early, be it from Lowe or Colback or Spence that he needs to, rather than go directly, you get the feeling there'll be someone busting a gut to try and get on the other end of it, whereas that wasn't the case before. And like you said, like if you don't have the ball in the box, you're not going to be scoring goals really. Like, Well, obviously you can, but not with much regularity. So it's good. It's very refreshing to see that we sort of have this almost like ruthless streak now, this like desire to score more goals. And obviously that's showing our goal difference now. It's the third best in the league. So it's definitely a positive. Definitely. Lee, we're going to move on to the third goal. And um, even before Zink and Argles uh, put us 1-0 up and Johnson's put us 2-0 up, uh, Blackpool's goalkeeper tried desperately to give us the ball a numerous amount of times and nearly got caught out early doors. But uh, third time lucky, I guess. Yeah, he was dreadful, wasn't he, to be fair? <laughs> it was um, terrible. <laughs> I watched the game. I watched the game with my uncle and... Uh, doesn't support Forest, doesn't really follow the championship. And even he turned to me, I think it was after about, I think it was just before he did that. Um, so not long into the game and he just went, this keeper's absolutely shite. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and he's a rugby league man as well. So he doesn't really follow football that closely either. So, I mean, for him to say that, it said everything. Um, but he was right. He was absolutely dreadful. Um, and I, I thought from the first moment he touched the ball, it looked like he might do something like that. Um and it was just nice to see us, you know, playing with loads of confidence and, and capitalising on such an error. We, we've been so used to one of our players doing one of those, maybe not the goalkeeper all the time, but, you know, playing out from the back under previous managers and, and it coming back to bite us. So, yeah, it was nice for us to get one for a change. How would you rate that type of finish? Because it's not very often you get a player breakthrough, especially in this league, and have such composure and just just put put keeper on his arse and see the see the ball wrestle in the back of the net. Yeah, it's excellent. I mean, I always I like to think of it, I mean, clearly, I mean, all, all four of us have probably never played at the level of football that Brennan Johnson has. So um, you've got to kind of use a bit of common sense with it. But I always think if if you do play in a game at any point in your life, and how easy would that be to replicate? I would say not very. To take it in your stride, you've not got long to think about it because the keeper's just basically punted it at you. Um, so calm yourself down, compose yourself, and then not only finish it, but loft it into the, the roof of the net with a defender on the line pretty much as well. Um, I think, it, I mean, I saw a lot of, I saw some people saying it was a, a pretty routine finish, but I didn't think it was. I thought it, it still needed uh, putting into the net. Um, so happy days. It, I, yeah, I thought it was a great finish. And like Christian's just said, Brennan Johnson, 25 million. I think if he had two or three years on his contract, I think you could probably push it towards 30. Uh, um, and you can use that as my soundbite. I don't care. I think he's that good. <laughs> well, Brennan Johnson becomes the first player under 21 across England, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, Portugal to reach 20 goal invo- involvements. Um, I'm going to put this to all of you. Uh, obviously, he's increased that actually um, later this week. But do you, did you expect this at the start of the season? Uh, Reese, I'll start with you. Did you did you expect Johnson to hit these heights at the start of the season? Last season, he's already surpassed uh, from Lincoln City uh, in a t- in a team that did reasonably well. No, definitely not. And I think if anyone says they did, I think they um turned a, a bit of a porky. I think there will be people out there who would have expected him. Probably, I think like us for 
would expect him to make an impact because of his pace, especially. But, you know, quite over 20 goal involvements and to surpass last season in a team, what are, you know, a lead below. And I don't know if any of you have seen League One, but if you look at Lincoln's position now, I think they're in like the bottom eight. So they've gone from playoffs right down to bottom eight to the table because they've lost Rodgers and Johnson. So it shows how big an player he was for them. Um, now, I mean, it's just a shame with the contract situation, you know, like the, the other guys saying, Lee and Christian, if, if he had two or three years left on his deal, you could, you could start to name your price because there'd be clubs wanting to sign him up and a lot of them, if we didn't go up and they'd be queuing up for him and then you know how a bidding war starts. Okay. You know, people end up paying beyond the means and so, yeah, it's just, just a shame about that contract but I'm hoping we can keep him, you know, for as long as we can, really. Yeah. Christian, what, what was your minimum expectation from Brennan Johnson this season, his first full season in, in the Championship? What, what would you have expect? What would you have been happy with for his numbers-wise? So, I don't know about the others, but I always have a rule for me personally, is that if someone does, say, like, let's say a striker in League One scores 20 goals, I always half it when he go up a league. So I would expect that striker to score 10 goals in championships. You're playing against better players, etc. I know the goal doesn't move, but you know the standard's higher. It's sink or swim, but obviously there's ability there to begin with. So I would say half of what he got for Lincoln last year, I would have hoped that over the course of 46 games for Forrest, he could have hit. And you know, obviously we saw like, from the Lincoln highlights, there was definitely scope for him to do that as well. It's not an unrealistic target to say to him, can't remember we got Lincoln like goals wise, maybe like, I don't know, 10 assists and eight goals. I mean, had he done that for Forest, we'd be like, that's player of the season anyway, really, or pushing the standards. But what he's come up with this season has been far beyond any any realistic expectation. And, you know, like, like we spoke about before when we had uh, Dan on the pod, the notion that Houston didn't think he was ready, he just that man will never be allowed to work in England again after the way Forest are playing and the way how Johnson's done, just because. You know, how can any, I mean, I know there's a whole you could your last job sort of thing, and I think had Forex like cruel to like 15th or something, they might have gone, Oh, you know, fair enough, maybe it isn't all that. But the fact that the players have all of them have just like gone up several levels since Hewitt's gone, combined with Forest League position, of course, there's no way he works in England again. I think that's his career done, that's <laughs> why he's now a technical director at Ghana. Yeah, Lee, I'm going to uh, ask you a pretty standard question. I expect to, I, I've got an answer that I expect you to come up with. If we get promoted, do you expect the next day Johnson to have signed a new contract? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, surely it'd be a no-brainer for him then. I think, um, I can't remember which pundit it was recently said, it was on Radio Nottingham afterwards, so it had been one of Hodge, Laws or... Um, Sutton um, and I thought it hit the nail on the head he basically said that yeah he could go to Tottenham he could go to Arsenal or wherever he wants in Brentford hopefully not um, but will he play every week and I think as good as he's been this season the answer would probably be no um, they'd probably sign someone else alongside him uh, so that if Johnson did flop in the Premier League I think we as Forest fans know that he probably wouldn't but I think they would sign a, a contingency alongside him and it'd probably be some glamorous name from a, an overseas country and he'd probably get the nod more often than not over Johnson. Um, so I think right now his development is best served at Forest. Um, so yeah, the answer to your question is I would a thousand percent like to see the next day um, 
the breaking news tickers telling us that Johnson's signed a new contract, basically. It'd be lovely. Um, just to finish the game off, obviously, uh, we're going to go back to you, Reese. Um, Blackpool came out with a surge, which we expected him to. Um, do you think we control this, or do you think we was a bit kind of in that motion of we've kind of won the game already? Do you think we were a bit sloppy, or or, or do you think we, we handled it pretty well? Yeah, I thought we handled it pretty well. Um, if you can keep a team at arm's length and preserve energy like you need to at this stage of the season, because the games are coming thick and fast, and you know when you're in big games, the tempo's going up, then I'm fine with that. And you know Blackpool, I didn't think really offered much at all. Second half, we had them at arm's length the whole game, and then we stepped it up a gear for the fourth, which was you know that's one of the probably the best goals I've seen from Forest this season. Really, when you when you break it down, I mean the pass. From a centre half, absolutely, you know, on the money, and then the, you know, not many, not many folks have talked about this, but the touch, you know, as a striker that gets it out of his feet. So that first touch was perfect. Like any striker, in the world, if Harry Kane would have done that touch, he'd have been like, "Look at that, that's class." And for Surridge, then get that touch out of his feet and the finish. You know, I just looked at that bottom corner and it, see it bulge. That was just you know, a, a, an absolutely brilliant goal to sum up a brilliant away performance. You know, it was just a shame they got one at the end, but you know, one away from it, you every day of the week, don't you? So we made it a tricky game look easy on paper. Yeah, absolutely. I would say with all the goals Sam Surridge just scored for us this season have been brilliant finishers. Like none of them have been like, he's not snatched at him or anything like that. They've been clean strikes and it's quite frightening when, you're four, you're three nil up, should I say, and you bring on Lewis Graben, who's returned from injury, and Sam Surridge, who's cost a couple of million from from Stoke. I mean, Cooper's kind of taken the piss a little bit there, I find, but um, long, long may it continue. I, th- I think it's brilliant. Um, would you say we didn't really have to get out of second gear for the game, would you say, Christian? No, I, I think that's probably fair. I mean, like... Reese just said we made like work of a very difficult game on paper. I mean, you know, we've seen Blackpool. I think that they did they beat Bournemouth in their own patch not long before that. If they, had, they gave Fulham a really good fright, I think they've got taken a point there as well. I think it's also important to remember that going into that game, they only conceded nine goals in all of 2022. So that's what three, three full months of league fixtures. And 90 minutes later, we scored just under half of that in one go. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was good as well. I mean, obviously, with the amount of games coming up that it didn't seem that we had to exert ourselves that much. Uh, even the second half, I mean, obviously, like, we brought Surridge and Graben on, but, but it did seem like not necessarily game management. We were still looking to score. Obviously, Zinka, they had that one-on-one he should have buried. But it did seem as if we sort of, like, ease ourselves in, like, into the game a bit, just let the game, you know, not, didn't have to rush or panic anything. It was just going to staying in control and not overburning ourselves out, which is going to be very crucial because I think this is our last full week of rest before the end of the season, what we have now. So, um, as you've touched on before, Adam, if you can rest your players while they're on the pitch, it's a good sign. Yeah, definitely. Um, a stat I've uh, I picked up on from uh, Lewis Wilden uh, NS, which I don't know what the NS stands for, but he wrote a stat of uh, Forest score four goals in a game four times this season. Uh, most of this has happened in one season for 20 years. Um, Lee, what do you make of that? <laughs> Um, best manager we've had for 20 years. Um, bold statement, I suppose, but maybe not the best best manager as such, but he's just, 
It's just a breath of fresh air, isn't it? I mean, you touched on it earlier with the people getting into the box all the time. I mean, not to compare the styles because they are pretty sim- uh, pretty different, but you look at Bielsa, his leads got, when they were in the Championship, they got so much praise for, there was count, it, it was almost every week there'd be videos on Twitter showing you how many people were busting their guts to get in the box. And you watched it as a, you know, when we were watching the, you know, Chris and stuff, and you were thinking, God, I wish we could do that. And you look now, and as soon as Spence or whether it be Lowe or Colback gets the ball, everyone's off, they've gone. They're in the box, in the areas to score the goals, and it's not really a surprise to me. I just think it. the bigger surprise to me is because we're so used to kind of falling away, is that this time it looks as though, you know, we've... I've, I've said for a few weeks, I still think those first seven games will come back to bite us um, in various group chats. I mean, and that probably to you guys as well. But now it seems that it's almost like Cooper's complete. They're not relevant to him. He's just kind of switched off from that and just it's cliched, but he is focused on the very next game. And I think that's a very dangerous mentality to have um, in a good sense. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not really surprised about it. And I think... It certainly wouldn't surprise me if we're going to score four again in another game before the end of this season. I think what I like about Cooper is he's not too fussed about the opposition and what they're going to do. He's more bothered about what we're going to do and make them worry about us. And I think that's why we've had such a rich vein of form and return from from each and every player. We just they're they're worrying about us. We're not worrying about anyone else. Um, and, and I think this is playing through the entirety of, of the club because uh, as we move on to Monday night uh, where the under-18s reached the FA Youth Cup final for the first time in our history after beating Chelsea 3-1. Uh, goals from Dale Taylor, Detlef Asepa, uh, a song which every every Forest fan will definitely butcher, including myself just now. He got two goals. Uh, last five minutes was 1-0 down and that epitomises the club at the moment, uh, doesn't it, Reese? Yeah, I mean, from from top to bottom, it's just, you know, the change from early on in the season, you know, it's just it's just crazy, you know, myself included and a lot of, of the rest of us were saying, you know, we we're questioning the board. You know, I, th- I think after the, the Derby game, when they gave, you know, Hughton another two games and we absolutely stunk the place out against Cardiff and Borough, we was like, you know, what is going on here? Um, but... You know, you have to give credit to everybody at the football club that, you know, the turnaround has just been, you know, this is borderline miracle stuff. You know, we, we talk, people are talking about Wayne Rooney at Derby. You know, I'm not being funny, but look where we was when Cooper come in and look at where we are now. It's just incredible. And that has filtered through the whole club. You know, the under-23s are flying at the minute and then the under-18s, we'll get back onto that. You know, I watched the game and... You know, they were a bit unlucky first off. Probably they had a couple of chances where I think Osong maybe one he could have gambled on and then I think one is touch just let him down. And then, you know, Chelsea got that goal and you just thought, you know, what a shame it's, you know, going to look like we're going to go out. And I went and got changed, ready to play football after Terry on and all I could hear was, oh, Forrest has scored, oh, Forrest has scored again. So I think I literally missed the first two goals and got back down dressed, uh, ready, and then obviously got the penalty. So, you know, yeah, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And it's just just so nice to see. And hopefully, 
you know, I'm hoping for a lot of fans, myself included, you know, the um, the final is at a date where a few, probably one or two thousand can make the trip to Old Trafford. I mean, I think I think if if the day gets gets changed to a, I think it's to a Sunday, I think people are hoping for we might take take more than that to be honest to, to support yeah. support the youngsters on. But you've got to give credit, aren't you, Christian, to not only Gary Brazil but Warren Joyce, obviously ex-Man United coach. But what a bloody job he's doing there! I mean, there's some absolute. I mean, if you if you think about teams that have won FA Youth Cup. Uh, FA Youth Cups in the past. I mean, the, the, the obvious one is the class of 92, obviously, with like Beckham and Beckham Neville Scholes and gigs and that. Um, you look you look at this list of uh, the list of Forest players that are playing, especially like the likes of Dale Taylor and uh Asong and Jack Naded and, and people like that. Do you think there's a there's a cropper there that that will eventually put the put the first team shirts on? You'd like to hope so. I mean, it's I think one of the more recent ones I saw was when Chelsea played City. And I think you had like Reese James, Hudson Adoy, Mount, Sancho, um, I think possibly even Foden as well, all playing. I think that those teams are worth like combined 500 million. So it's like, <laughs> obviously, I'm not saying ours is going to be worth like a quarter of a, a billion pounds, but it's, you like to think some of those players will make a step up. And obviously, it's very difficult. Not everyone will because that's just the way football works. You know, it's, it's a team game. There'll be individuals that stand out within a team, but, you know, it's only 11, like, firing pistons, basically, for it to go one way, but some will fire better than others. So, obviously, Dale Taylor seems the one, given he's already played for Northern Ireland before he's played for Forest. But <laughs> there will be others in there, too, that I think definitely, because we'll see a pathway to the first team, especially while Cooper's there. And, yeah, while we've got Joyce and Brazil, they'll, they'll be... You know, you can rest easy. They'll come through the right way, in the sense that they'll, more above all else, just being a footballer, they'll come through as being like a decent person as well. Which I think, you know, that's the aim for most football clubs these days. It isn't just about the results on the pitch; it's about bringing them through and making sure they're brought up in the right way. They're respectful, and you know, when they're representing the, your colours of the shirt, be it in a suit before the game or on the pitch themselves, they do it in the right manner. So I think we're in very, very good hands, regardless of what happens in that final. Definitely. Uh, and then just lastly, Lee, um, the, the 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 people down the A52 were on about building a statue for Wayne Rooney if he got him out of this bloody mess, which he's, he's obviously failing to do because it was a very difficult task. But would you make an argument for a statue? And I, and I mean a little bit honest here for Gary Brazil, because the bloke single-handedly saved our club with not only the, the work he's doing, but the players he's managed to produce that Forest have then gone on to sell, and a lot of them have done obviously very well, like playing in the Premier League. Obviously, Wes Morgan ended up winning the Premier League, which is outstanding. But keep the club afloat essentially with with some of the sales we've made. Obviously, recently, Burke, Cash, and uh, Apaya and Brereton. So, thoughts? Yeah, interesting one. Um, I think it would be probably quite unprecedented if we built a statue of someone who has had an indirect involvement, if you like, with the first team. Um, I don't know. He's got a cracking record as the first team manager. Yeah, he's got a great record. <laughs> I wonder if we could have a statue, but it's at the training ground instead. Yeah. So it's not at the city ground. Um, my, my, I don't know, it's difficult. I, I'd probably say no, and that's not, no slight on Gary Brazil whatsoever. Um, he deserves to do whatever he pleases at the football club um, for what the work he's done. Maybe we could name something after him or something like that. Um, 
But I just think of statues probably, you, you think of statues being outside grounds when it's someone iconic um, and symbolic to that football club um, and what they've done for the first team. And I think knowing Guy Brazil and hearing him talk and that, I don't think he, he wouldn't really feel comfortable with that um, kind of gratitude, I don't think. He's very much about the, um, the we and the us rather than the me and the I. So, um, yeah, I would, I would say no. In, but like I say, it's absolutely no, uh, taking nothing away from the work Gary Brazil has done with us. Yeah, he's been he's been he's been brilliant. Um, we we we're lucky to have him really, and and, and a lot of the staff there have done magnificent. Um, we're going to move on to the Wednesday night game. Coventry City came to the City Ground. We looked to avenge our opening day defeat to them, which we managed to do, uh, winning two 0 goals from. Oh my bloody word! I couldn't even remember. Brennan Johnson and James Garner. Um, hard. Hard fought win, wouldn't you say, Reese? I mean, Coventry came to play, didn't they? Yeah, they played. They played some good stuff, to be fair to him. And to be honest, like I said, we said at the game, I didn't. They had someone up front who could, who was a bit more clinical. They probably would have gone ahead before we did. Um, and then thankfully, <laughs> thankfully for us, they seemed to take all that raft out on Fulham yesterday, scoring three times against them. So, but yeah, like you say, what well, it was very hard for. And it was really in the balance until we, you know, with the first bit of good play really from us, we kept it alive. And then, you know, Brennan Johnson's somehow stayed in and then it's, he's bundled it in, which is, you know, um, brilliant. Another goal for him. And then, you know, a lovely run from Keenan Davis and James Garner, like I was saying to you as well at the game, I don't think there's anyone at the club who's got a more powerful shot than Garner because he always seems to absolutely take the net off when he, um, you know, scores. You know, the free kick against State, what hit the bar comes to mind. And, you know, that was a, a rocket. You know, probably call a keeper into question a little bit. I think if he was a Coventry fan, but we'll take it and hard-fought wins at these sta- this stage of the season, uh, you know, what you need to do at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, Christian, would you say we took Coventry a bit too lightly. I mean, uh, Callum O'Hare was a thorn in in our in our defence, really. He just kept picking the ball up in like little pockets and, and playing one-twos and getting into the box. But luckily, like Reese says, uh, their shoot they didn't have their shooting boots on until yesterday at Fulham. So what what would you say we did wrong in, in that in that respect? Uh, to be honest, I don't actually think it was a case of us taking them lightly. I just think that they were they are actually a very good size. And you know, it's, it's it was ironic. It was O'Hare of all people who's so often been the one scoring against us that was so wasteful. Because I mean, it it showed against Fulham. They scored twice in the first twenty minutes. They had two very good chances to score against us in that same time frame. Just didn't. And it was the same against Blackburn before that as well. Coventry were quite guilty of making these chances, just not taking them. Like Reece said, perhaps someone more clinical alongside the guy Crez up front, and it might be like looking in business next season. I don't think. Yeah. So I don't think we're taking very lightly. But um, obviously, we did well to weather and storm. And I actually think, to be honest, they were probably the hardest team we've had to play since Borough on Boxing Day. And I know you might say, oh, we lost to Cardiff since then, but Cardiff was shit and we were even worse. And even though we still need left of something. And Huddersfield, well, well, <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I generally think they gave us the biggest test we've had 
since Boxing Day. They were a very, very good side, very well drilled. And, you know, but for a more clinical touch, and they, they could be going into half time, we could be in all sorts of trouble, like 2 0 down. But it was, it was interesting, actually. I did see quite a few parallels in that Borough game and how we've learned. Okay, fair enough. What let us down at Borough was um, Yates's 180 spin and then bottom corner finish into his own net at a time where it looked like we were starting to weather it. Obviously, that didn't happen this time around, and this time we did weather it. And then, obviously, we got up the other end. I noticed um, whenever Spence got the ball, there was three of them on him at any given point. And I think it sort of, we sort of clicked that because then we went straight down the left-hand side and no one was near Colback. We only had time and space to pick a ball out. And you know, thankfully, Johnson's bundled it in. But to go in one and up, I think that sort of took the ship's uh, wind out their sails a little bit. Cooper got a chance to talk to them and sort of say, look, this isn't good enough. We need to step up a bit. In the second half, we looked much more in control and just saw the game out. Yeah, I thought the first goal was was lovely. I mean, Zinc and I go into into Davis and and cracking ball in behind the fullback for for Colback, who, like I say, we we don't put crosses in the air very often. We zip them across the box and and we and we get lucky with that one. Um, I do want to touch on the refereeing situation, uh, Lee, as as our resident one. Uh, it was a bit stop start, weren't it? And and there's a there's an incident which we will touch on in the second half, which. Where, where the crowd were trying to alert the officials to stop the game. But what did you make of his performance? Because I thought he was a bit inconsistent. I mean, we always say this, like, if they're going to be bad, but be inconsistent for both, be like, be consistent for both sides. Yep, nail on the head, to be honest. Um, God, he was dreadful, wasn't he? I'm using that word a lot tonight. Um, fucking appallingly. We're quite, yeah, we're quite lucky we're lucky that it hasn't affected yeah. us. And then he literally replicated it for Swansea yeah, top. I mean, <laughs> do you know? Do you know the funny thing is? I think do you know if a referee is it comes to it comes to a game and he's bad for both sides. You kind of yeah, fair enough. He's bad for both sides consistently, or for both sides. I just felt that the whole to me it it smacked of a referee who. I think he personally probably got told that he was probably wrong to send Ravel Morrison off because they, they get debriefed. They, they'll get told whether they're being backed or whether they're not. It just seemed like he didn't want to give us anything. Every 50-50 went their way. There was one incident where Davis was wrestled to the floor just outside the box in front of the Trent end. And it was the most, it was the most obvious foul and probably a yellow card you'll ever see, ever. Any game of football, under 12's game, it'd be a foul. Probably you'd probably let an eleven-year-old off without a caution, but still. Um, and then, so he doesn't give that. And then, literally, not even ten seconds later, the ball goes up the other end, exactly the same from I think it was Yates or Colback. He could not wait to give it. It's like, come on, he had the perfect chance just after to say no, I'm not giving them by just letting us play on as well. But he gave them the free kick. I just think at this level, that is completely inexcusable. And yeah. it's no coincidence that when you when you see these various threads on on social media platforms and stuff like that, and you see what's happening in other games, it, that is a name that keeps popping up, and th- there is something amiss there with whether it, when it comes to you know being on inconsistent. Um, he, was, he was extremely chalk and cheese compared to the referee at Blackpool who let the game flow very very well. I thought um, so. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, do you know what? I I know that you you I think we had a conversation in our group about the referee on Saturday. For for ninety percent of the game on Saturday, I thought the referee was pretty good. Um, yeah, he did he did give some stuff that you know. But again, like I say, he was consistent for both sides. The little pulls and that sort of stuff. If you gave it for one side, he was giving them for the other. Um, 
And for me, at any level of football, even I think back to when I used to play, that's all you asked for. You just wanted a referee to, you know, to give the same decisions for, for both sides. So, second half, we come out. James Garner, obviously, makes it 2-0 um, after we, we pick the ball up in the middle of the pitch. Uh, Reese Worrell to Davis, then uh, sublime skill from Davis, really, wasn't it? Yeah, he... Uh... <laughs> That's probably, you know, the thing what, with respect to Lewis Grab, and he's not as good as Davis. That Davis can turn a defender and literally bulldoze, I think, is probably the best way to describe it. You know, to be fair to Grabs, he can carry the ball, but, you know, with the physical presence of Davis, he is literally just something else. And going back to the under-18s, that's what that um, a song kind of reminds me of. I think he'll grow into that type of player, so he could be an interesting one for the future for us. But going back to Davis, yeah, that that ball goes in runs where no one, you know, he's like the incredible Hulk going forward, and no one can get him off the ball, and then he just slips Garner in, and like I touched on earlier, you know, James Garner, you know, he's just, you know, he's, he is sensational. Like like I put on <clears throat> Twitter the other day, people might think I'm going OTT, but. Honestly, I think for me, since I've been watching Forrest in the early 2000s, he's the best centre mid we've had because he can literally do, he can do everything. He can pass, he can carry the ball, he set pieces. And, you know, he looks like a little weedy kid and he gets stuck in as well. He's not, he's not frightened of attack. He just, he just reminds me, and I'm not comparing him to this player at all because this is ludicrous, but his attributes just reminds me of a mini De Bruyne where he can literally just do everything. And he's like a complete midfielder. And you don't get many of them about where they can do that range of skills. You usually get, you know, like you look at Angelo Kante, he's good at what he does, but he's not, you know, for example, like, you know, he doesn't get you like, wouldn't probably get you 10 goals a season, for example, um, as good as he is. But yeah, you know, brilliant, brilliant goal. Yeah, I mean, just just before I'm going to get to the to, about the fan incident, uh, Christian, I just want to talk to you about the run that I think Keenan Davis went on before he spooned one wide. But yeah. do, does he remind you of a certain Marlon Harewood at all? Because he's like a he's a fridge on legs, isn't he? Really, let's face it. <laughs> That's what I'm he's like he's a wrecking ball, isn't he? But I think like the, the issue is like obviously with like people of that sort of build and stature normally it takes them a while to get into their run and at once at that point it's a case of trying to hold them down because you can't stop them Davis' acceleration is insane he's literally on the mark and then you just can't get it off him they just like uh, we're saying like he just launches offenders around like ragdolls they just there's no stopping him um and he was unlucky I, I, was, I must admit like <laughs> as he was going on that run I noticed obviously Davis is one of his flaws is he is very left-footed and as soon as he's coming over, I was like, this is going into the stands. <laughs> see exactly. And sure enough, it's like harmlessly looped over the top of the bar into his lower trend end. But no, he's such an exciting talent. And I really hope that regardless of what league we're in next year, that we can find a way to sign him. It does look like we could be doing a deal for him. Obviously, I'm sure the finances involved will be, you know, that's, that's the next real question mark. I mean, he seems incredibly happy at Forest. You know, he, he's publicly come out and said he's loving every second of being here. You know, I think he, he certainly feels valued by the fans, but like the uh, the manager, you know, he's got a good home here if he wants it. And hopefully, yeah, that'll be his next step. I think what I like about Keaton Davis, though, is that even though we went through and he and he did step over and, and knew the shot was going to be on his weaker right foot, at least he takes it on. You see so many players yeah. that will 
cut back and then not take the shot, shot on at all. I mean, I, I think Zinkanago did that against Blackpool on on Saturday, wow. and, and you think just just it, just swing a swing a foot at it, it doesn't matter. Um, mm. So I appreciate Keenan Davis doing that because one day one will fly in and it will be brilliant. So well, I'm all for it. But um, the second goal caused a fan to uh, celebrate that much. He, he knocked himself out. Uh, with the ball boy having to tell the linesman to, to stop the game so we could get some treatments to the poor bloke. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this on, on social media, but uh, Samba asked how the fan was and he said, um, yeah, just celebrated the goals, uh, goal a bit too much. Um, it was a much safer place when Hewton was manager, um, which I think we can all agree on. Um, but let's just get to the last few points. Lee, I'm going to come to you about Tobias Figueredo and the goal-saving block uh, that he made. Uh, I just want to ask ask a difficult question. Uh, when, when Steve Cook is fit, um, does he come straight back in? Feared you were going to ask me that. Um, probably. Um, being honest, like I said earlier, I think the position we're in, I think if your first choice back three is fit, they probably play. Um, I don't think this is a... It's not particularly Cooper being harsh or anything. I think if you look at all the teams in in world football, um, that's typically what they do. I mean, again, I'm not comparing Steve Cook with this player, but if Virgil Van Dyke get, picks up an injury and he misses a game, if he's if the next one's against Real Madrid in the Champions League, or if it's against Southampton at home in the league, he probably goes straight back in. Um, I think Cook has a similar sort of influence on our team as Van Dyke probably does on Liverpool's. So. Um, yeah, as harsh as it would be on Figueroa, because he's been really good. I, I do think that when Steve Cook's fit, um, Figueroa will probably back out the team. Unfortunately, how how would you rate his his goal saving block though? Because as soon as Callum O'Hare got into the box, I mean, it was a very cute ball down the side of I think it was McKenna or Colback. I can't remember, but I said to Reese, like, "This is a goal because they've missed so many. It was bound to happen." But Figueroa just come out of the depths of hell to just to be there. I don't, I don't know how he did it, but what what, what do you make of it? Yeah, it was brilliant. I think what pleased me more about it is that he's been out of the team. Um, I think it would be easy for him not to anticipate that, having not played football for so long. Um, but yeah, um, it was showed great awareness, um, body on the line sort of stuff. And to be fair, that's what anyone who's played defence under Steve Cooper has epitomised, to be honest. The, you know, the ability to do whatever it takes to keep the ball out of the net. Um, and I think our numbers... I think we've conceded eight goals we've conceded this so, calendar so the, year. So this is my next uh, little stat. Uh, we've only conceded seven this calendar year in the seven. league, that is. Um, I mean, you've got to not only give the defence and, and the goalkeeper credit, but we defend from the front. I mean, you, how many times you see Keenan Davis kind of been the right-back or left-back spot just helping out sort of thing? I mean, we we definitely defend from the front. We we press high. We, we We're aggressive with it. I mean... Blackpool fans were saying how aggressive we were at their place and it was probably not even like third gear, do you know what I mean? Sort of thing. So it just it just shows how much work we've done and how much good work we've done, doesn't it? This is it as well. I think with playing three at the back, you do have the chance to get an extra body on the line. I think when had we been playing two at the back against Coventry, um, the initial ball down the side probably does you know leave us a little bit exposed and it ends up in the back of the net. So... That's why I've been so impressed with the the three at the back system that Cooper's adopted because it does give you that extra chance to get someone else's body in the way if if you know there is a, a counter attack or something. So 
yeah, I mean, long may that continue. I think if if we can keep up the, you know, taking pride in clean sheets and that sort of stuff between now and the end of the season, then we're an absolute shoe in for the playoffs. If not, um, it's all going to be... Clean sheets kind of need to be, you know, what you're basing your, your run on, especially at this time of the year. I think if you can keep clean sheets in our position now, um, we're going to be getting in the playoffs. So, yeah, that's certainly something that I hope we can do. Um, unlike the Sabri season where... You know, the, the floodgates <laughs> opened a little bit and we, we capitulated. Yeah. Um, I mean, the back three didn't lose an aerial battle on Wednesday night, which is, is equally impressive to me. Um, and I just want to touch on what something Cooper said uh, post-match, Reese. Uh, he mentioned that we now need to stick to the game plan more than ever. Um, do you, is, that, is that easier said than done? Because obviously in certain games if you can win without playing too well and, and scrapping like like good teams can do, you, you're going to take it, obviously. But how, how important is it, do you think, that we need to stick to our to our game plan uh, from now to the end of the season? Yeah, well, I mean, they asked that question yesterday to Jürgen Klopp. You know, he was, you know, are we playing like the match or are you playing the match or the occasion? He said, oh, I didn't realise it was an occasion. You know, you just play, you play the match what's in front of you and, this ties in well to the last question with, you know, I probably agree with Lee. I do think when Cook is fit, he will come back because when it's the business end of the season, he's an experienced pro who has been there and done it and got promoted out of this league uh, with respect to Figs, who's been, you know, I've been blowing his trumpet as much as the next man because um, he's been brilliant. But when Cook is back, you, but then to get you over the line, you start to look at your senior pros and, you know, to drag you through it. And he's, you know, he epitomises that cook. So that'll be interesting. But I mean, at the minute, it's just, it's just, I'm just lost for words really because, you know, when you sit down and take it all in, it's, I mean, it is hard, difficult to do that, but it's just, it's literally incredible. I mean, you what you, you the game when you're watching Forest at the minute just you know, just the en- the energy I've, I've just never seen a Forest side who run so much as this and all around the pitch and you you know it's like we go back to the QPR game when they were literally blowing out their arses the last fifteen minutes and Forest were like you know like little Jorcel bunnies everywhere and that's why they took over and won the game and that and that is what is giving me the belief that we I do think now we will get in the playoffs you know that'll be that could be a clip come end of the season but that what does give me the belief that if Bournemouth start to rock a little bit and we keep on how we are we could go above them I really do think that because they're just absolutely flying you know and and to be fair I I think we will get um which we'll come on to later, I think we will get an indication probably where we are on Friday because Luton are up there with us, you know, and I know Luton, a lot of people will look at them as unfashionable, etc. but away from home, you know, little compact ground, sell out, we've only got a thousand fans going, that'll be interesting to see how we get on there and probably give us an indication where we might be at if we're to go any further than the top six this season for me. Yeah, I'm going to make an odd reference to your fitness thing of uh, 
a film called Coach Carter with Samuel L. Jackson and, and when they when he first comes in and he gets them fit and he's like, to the baseline. And I just feel like that's what Steve Cooper might have done and everyone got what <laughs> sort of thing. And we're going to move on to the Birmingham City game. Obviously, uh, that happened on Saturday, uh, a routine 2 0 win, I would say, uh, at the end of it. I'm going to read you something quite interesting just before we get into it. Uh, the last time we played Brum, we won 3 0 to take us two points clear of the drop zone. Yesterday took us third in the league, six points from Bournemouth. Um, I mean, manager of the year is pretty much wrapped up, let's face it, regardless of where we finish. But let's start with the game, Christian. Um, do you think Keenan Davis enjoyed that goal or <laughs> did he over exaggerate? I thought his celebration was quite mute, to be honest. I think it's <laughs> um, no, it was, it was interesting because obviously, cause I, I, I've only seen the highlights for it really. And like, I was just relying on Twitter updates. And when I saw like uh, the tweet was, I was in Kegel's won the ball, giving it to Johnson, Johnson's fed Davis, who's gone into the box. I assumed that would be like, Zinkleg would have snatched the ball in the final third somewhere and then a quick pass out to the right and then a cross would have come in and then. Davis. I didn't realise Davis got the, gets the ball and like about 25 yards out from goal. And it's just like, oh my God. Like, yeah, absolutely no right to score from there at all. He ran forward, just believed them. But no, the, um, the celebration was quite something, I suppose. And I'm sure the Villa fans enjoyed that very much. Not as much as Keenan, but still very much on the same. Yeah, I mean, Lee, um, what what is Neil Etheridge doing at the near post? Because if if I'm I'm not even not even just Samba. If Horvath concedes that, I'm fuming. I mean that is some it, it, fair play to Keenan because he's he's got no right to score from there, but he's got nothing else on but to shoot. Um, I mean we'll take it, but yeah, what what. <laughs> I, I mean, don't know. I, I, words. <laughs> I personally think quite simply he's caught cold. First five minutes, he's bit. I don't think had he touched the ball before then. Probably not. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you'd expect him to save it. Um, it wasn't too dissimilar to the goal we conceded against QPR, actually. To be honest mm-hmm. with you. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think we all said on that after this, it's it's a footwork thing. Um, I'm not actually sure whether Etheridge's feet were that bad. To be fair, I just think he just got caught cold. He wasn't. You always want as a goalkeeper. You always almost want your centre half to just pass you the ball in open play, just so you can get a feel of it, even if it's with your feet. Um, for him to touch it the first time, picking it out the net. Um, whilst Keenan Davis is goading his um, supporters, goading the Birmingham fans, it isn't ideal for a goalkeeper. So yeah, no other expl- explanation really. I, I just genuinely think he was caught off guard with, with how early it was in the game. He reminded me of, do you remember when we beat Leeds 2-0? Amiobi's goal. Yeah, yeah very that similar. That was a similar sort of like angle, wasn't it? He sort of like, it wasn't quite like acute enough that it was a straight line. He had a bit of space to work with. But yeah, yeah, you're right. He should be saving that really. Yeah, definitely. I mean, but, but after the goal, and I think we've had this sort of thing happen against similar sort of sides, Reese, uh, where we tend to go a little bit flat and the energy is not quite there. And then we, and Birmingham kind of got back into it without really like harming us. But do you think that's like a mentality thing? Do you think it's a, because the opposition haven't really got anything to play for folks. So the intensity is not quite there. I mean, Jimmy Garner was picking the ball up with like no one around him and he was just like leisurely passing. It kind of just looked like a friendly uh, in some aspects. I think it was a case of another team on the beach, really, you know, similar to Bristol City, um, you know, a few weeks before. I know I know, Reading do have something to play for and play them, but and they gave us a little bit of scare. 
Um, you know, where after we've gone ahead early doors against them, but once Forest go up a gear, they, they, they put these sides to bed. And I never ever thought Saturday. You know, we always want the second goal. You know, like I said to you, Adam, we need a second goal just to seal it because you know, at one nil you are vulnerable. But I never ever thought. You know, Birmingham worried us. I just thought we were literally at arm's length and we got the second goal at the perfect time. You know, Garner again, brilliant ball. I mean, I'm, as much as I love Scott McKenna, I don't think he knows much about it, really. I think he just hit him on the back of the head and got him. But, you know, like I mentioned earlier, when when you're in the form you're in, everything seems to go for you. So, and that just, that just killed the game, really. I mean, it's a bit strange, Ben. I mean, they had Scott Hogan up front on his own against three big centre-halves. He didn't have a kick. And to be fair, I thought, I mean, not dangerous, but they looked better when they brought Dean and Jukovic on because then they could go long and chuck, chuck a couple of balls in. Um, but again, they still didn't really, you know, I can't remember Samba making a savoured note apart from that one Pedersen got in at the first half, which was, you know, a bit of a mix-up at the back for us, really. So... It yeah. was 2-0, comfortable as you like, really. It, it reminded me of the Bristol City game to a T, really, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Christian, I'm going to try and ask you, obviously, some questions to help you, obviously, really watch the highlights or whatever. But Keenan Davis seemed to have their young centre-half on toast uh, a lot of the time. Um, just, I think it was possibly one of his best performances. Of, I think Sheffield United, I'd say, was, was up mm. there uh, without the... Without, the reward as such, but I thought this game against Birmingham, you could tell he was up for it, couldn't you? Well, it's like when Lolly plays against Birmingham, obviously him being a Villa fan himself, they just, they just seek the final like, extra gear, don't they? Just sort of like, you know, it's, it's natural, isn't it? You're playing a team that you've, you've grown up to dislike and hate and then uh, you want to make a point. And, um, you know, if Keenan is to leave Villa, I mean, obviously his goal record's hardly enviable. You probably want to still like give them something to like remember him by. So I think he was probably quite fired up and that alone, but, no, I mean, it's. I think once if you get if we can get Davis on form, like on his day. I mean, it, it is, I say on his day, like he's inconsistent. That's just nonsense. But if you get him when he's on top gear, then there's no defense in the league that's capable of handling him appropriately, in my opinion. I just, I just think he's too strong. He's too quick. He's too physical. Like no one likes marking him. I mean, you think when we played Arsenal, Davis's debut, he was quite rusty then, and obviously like quite like wasn't had no match fitness whatsoever. Holding, which is being launched about left, right, and centre, couldn't get anywhere <laughs> near him. Like a Premier League defender who could be in the Champions League next year couldn't deal with Davis. So if he can't deal with Davis, now I think Holding's even played for England once or twice as well. What chances your average Championship defender got? <laughs> so yeah, that kid's probably gonna have nightmares, but <laughs> we'll take it because, like I said, we are very, very lucky to have Keen Davis at Forest, and I think he's goes to show that you know, we should be trusting him. I know a lot of people were like. Why are we signing someone with three and 73? Rah, 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 rah. But he's got, I think, what, five and 14 now? So one in three for someone who's, you know, does so much more to his game than just like, having to score goals because of all, the space he picks for others, the the, the way he creates other people. You know, if you get a striker that's one in three and does all that as well, you're onto an absolute winner. Yeah, I mean, I think what what is, is brilliant about him, he takes away maybe one or two to three defenders away and that's why he creates a space because he just somehow comes away from the, with the ball all the time I don't mm. I don't quite understand it he's so a bit skillful he's, yeah, yeah he's, he's for such a big lad I mean he loves a nutmeg which I, I absolutely adore <laughs> uh, brilliant um, but 
we're going to talk about another bit of uh, Davis magic, but from probably someone that's going to come up a bit later as a an unsung player of the week in my eyes, and maybe an unsung player of the season, Lee, um, in Joe Worrell. Uh, I mean, there was a bit where he bought the ball out from the back and I didn't even see the pass on, but he just like reverse balls it to, to Davis, a couple of step overs, gets his shot away against Etheridge, which I mean, I think at the time it was still only 1-0. I think if he scores that though, it's uh, it's job done as well there. And obviously Bristol still managed, didn't, didn't really affect us. But what have you made of Joe Worrell recently? Because I, I think he's gone a little bit unnoticed in terms of not really had to put a foot wrong, but not, but, but like... Starting out attacks, he's been he's been excellent. I think. Yeah, I think um, you always know what you're going to get with Joe Worrell. I think he's he's what you ex well he's he's what you'd hope you get from every single player who comes from the academy. Really, um, like you say, he probably doesn't get as many plaudits this season because he's doing as much, he's not doing anything particularly bad. Um, he's playing brilliantly, uh, but you kind of come to expect it now from Worrell. Um, every time he pulls the shirt on it clearly means a lot to him and he does kind of as a fan all you ask for is someone to show uh, they care as much as Worrell does um, you can put Ryan Yates in that category as well to be fair because I wish they all had the, the passion of I mean this season to be fair they are all showing the same sort of passion as those two so um, long may that continue but yeah he's he's another one I think we're going to be facing a fight to keep him to be honest um, and do you know what I think as much as you always want to keep your best players, if we don't go up this season, Joe Wall's the one player you kind of wouldn't begrudge um, in moving to the Premier League because, what is it, 180, 190 appearances he's coming up towards now? He's served his time in the Championship and at 25, it's it's kind of to be expected that he's going to want to play in the Premier League and, like you say, given his performance level, um, fair play to him. Definitely, he's he's fulfilled a tremendous role as as captain in in Graben's absence, and obviously still for, for, fulfilling that responsibility because Graben's not been starting. But uh, I just want to talk about the defence again, Reese. Uh, phenomenal to try and keep another clean sheet two in a row. Obviously, uh, after the international break, um, the willingness to defend has been has been brilliant, hasn't it? Really? Yeah, I mean, like Reese just said. Um, he is a bit like Jack Cole back in the sense, Joe Warren, that he does go under the radar because he just goes about his business and, you know, he's just consistently decent, you know, nothing magical, nothing poor, he's just consistently solid and, you know, you can't ask for more than that. And Scott McKenna's the exact same. Um, and then obviously, you know, you've, you've dropped Toby Figueredo into that and he's come in and been magnificent as we've all mentioned. So, you know, that back, they're just solid at the back, aren't they? They, they, they really are. I can't, I mean, I keep, it's just so, you kind of have to pinch yourself, really. Like you, have, you can come on here and just wax lyrical about a forest side. It, it's just strange. Like, I've spoke to people and, you know, when you, when you say, you know, we're actually a bloody good side, you kind of just think, am I actually saying that? Because you look at the, the team's successful we've had during, you know, our lifetimes, of supporting the Reds this century. It's always been a little bit of a flaw with most of them. Um, and, you know, and this team, you know, it's just going from strength to strength. And and that, you know, comes from the back. You know, that back five, like we said earlier, is what we all like and we're mostly solid at. And, you know, I noticed the, um, the Garibaldi Red podcast today, they were discussing their player of the season. I'm looking forward to 
when the time does come to do ours, because I, I do think we'll probably all go with the same person. But you know, when if we do a top three, that'll be interesting because there's literally so many candidates who could make it. But personally, and, I think uh, I'll be banging my head on the wall to be honest, Reese, trying to think of <laughs> think of an answer. Yeah, I, I just feel honestly, I've thought about it in my mind already, and I just feel bad that I've left <laughs> definitely someone out of the top three, and I'm just thinking how with their season they've had can they not be in the top three it is crazy and you know now we're at the business end of the season now seven games left for us you know let's see what we're made of because you know it, it is okay getting yourselves into this position but the really good sides you know they get over the line and we've got to see you know got to see what we're made of now and like I said earlier that'll start Friday in a very tough game at Luton yeah uh, so just before we get into the predictions, uh, I asked a question on Red Side of the Trent's uh, Twitter feed, or I say I, we. Um, I wanted to know what uh, everyone's player of the week was. Uh, we put up some pictures of, of who our top kind of five were. So uh, Tobias Figueredo, and Scott McKenna, uh, Brennan Johnson, Keenan Davis, and uh, the one and only Jimmy Garner. Um, so some of people's replies were uh, Carl Booth, said uh, McKenna, imperious at the back, wins everything in the air and players just can't get past him uh, with the little uh, little inverted commas of you'll never beat McKenna, which needs to get banned straight away. There's, there's a better song out there. We've all, we've all, we all know what it is. We just need to get it going. Um, and obviously he got a goal and assist this week, which has been brilliant. Um, Lee Chilvers has to be McKenna for an incredible, uh, uh, for an incredible centre half. Um there are there are way more. Uh, uh, Grant Fellows, hard hard call, uh, but probably Davis, uh, McKenna from Max Newton. Jarno has put Tobias, been outstanding. Um, Emma's put Figs for me, being a rock since he came in for Cook, was outstanding. Um, someone uh, Rob's put Keenan, Toby. Keenan from One Decent Fox, <laughs> Carl Wilkinson, Steve Cooper, Tony Marriott, Jimmy. All of them from Scott can't pick one. Figs, impossible to choose, but maybe for Davis for his two home games. Um, Christian, we're going to start with you. Player of the week? Uh, I know it's somewhat controversial to go for defender in a, in a week where we've scored eight goals in three games, but I'm going to go to Figueredo. I just think because you know there were so many people so concerned about how he would how he'd be when he was thrown in. Like, of course, Kirk, it very much seems like the idle Karanka Figueredo is here. And given that, you know, he's almost certain to leave in the summer, you know, he had a move allegedly like rebuffed in January because we can get, can get it done over the line in time. You know, be, like, obviously he's had to stay in England because he's been re- reports that he's been incredibly homesick, obviously for Portugal, like over, that, over the pandemic era, which is again, again entirely understandable. Uh, I just think for someone to come in and slot hand in glove into that back three and keep two clean sheets, see one goal in three games. And, you know, like you said, the goal saving block against Coventry. I just think that, you know, fair enough. If he's going to go out, like, this is going to be his last few games for Forest, and he's going out in the right way, and he's going to have a bang and fair play to him for that. And, you know, top effort, superb performances in the last three games. And, yeah, like, where we are now in the league, how, how the transition has changed is a large part down to Tobias Figueredo. So, yeah, he'll be my pick. Yeah, he's been in incredibly professional, uh, and I, I still enjoy his angry face, even when we've scored a goal. Um, Lee, uh, player of the week for you. 
Is it is it yeah. is it going to be Same two for, for two? Oh. Same for me. Yeah, I was going Figueroa anyway. Um, <laughs> I can't really disagree with anything that Christian just said. Um, yeah, just for someone to come out from the cold, having not played any sort of football, to play like he has has been absolutely magnificent. And it does seem strange when we've had three really good wins to pick a defensive player, but I think it would have been. We've seen it before, haven't we, with Forrest, where we get one or two injuries and then everything just starts to derail. Um, with Figueroa coming in, I, I think some people have got short memories. I think Figueroa's. I made the point to one of my mates at the match that he, he, he's an angry. He seems like an angry person anyway. Um, to have to play behind closed doors for a season just topped him. It almost sent him over the edge. I think he hated it. Uh, he, did, he had no fans to feed off. He was probably sick of hearing Chris and talk bollocks. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it would have been so easy for him to start dropping those errors that he'd become almost accustomed to. Um, but no, he's been absolutely superb. And I think it's a sign of uh, how the players are feeling in the dressing room. Those that are out of the team are chomping at the bit to to come in and, and make an impact. Yeah. Uh, Reese, is it three for three? It's a full ass, mate. Yeah. Um, you know, definitely I haven't been swayed at all by Lee and Christian now. He, and you know, you know what? I'm I'm delighted for the lad because you know, like the reasons Christian's mentioned there. If you know, if he's been a bit homesick and stuff, and you know, we've all had a tough time during the pandemic. You know, to come in and perform how he has, you got to you know tip your hat off to him. And and to be fair, I've I've always he has always got a mistake. He has had a mistake in him. Figs, you know, you know, he did it against Coventry. You know, we got away with that one, but. I think over his Forest career, he's been a good servant for Forest. personally. I don't think he... Usually when there is a player who either gets slated and lauded by some, it is somewhere in the middle. And I think Figs falls perfectly into that category. He's been a good servant for us. Um, you know, like Christian mentioned, the crank, I thought he was excellent. So, it, and, you know, he had you know a bit of a period on the Sabre as well, where he's good. So, you know, if he... You know, carries on the way he has, and he goes to summer back to Portugal and gets a move to whatever Portuguese club he fancies, uh, Estoril or Victoria Guimarães, whoever. Um, you know, it'll go with I'm sure most fans' blessing, and you know, good luck. Thank you very much for your efforts, and we all move on. So yeah, full ass. This this was a tough one for me. I think I'm inclined to go. Tobias Figueredo as well, just because I think like even from the first minute at Blackpool, he would he, he he was beating Gary Medine to head his left, right, and centre, and he's banned from Sheffield Town Centre, as Reese told me. So that says a lot to get banned from there. So he must be an horrible bastard. Um, so yeah, I think I think Figueredo's just been exceptional, true professional. I mean, for someone that's been as you've all touched on, so out of the cold for so long, but to come in and slot in like like there's. Uh, like he's not been out the side, it's 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 impressive, and and I think Steve Cook will have a a job on to get back in, but you can't really worry about whichever one plays in that centre of the of the three. Um, so it, it's been brilliant, but I think I think Keenan Davis ran it incredibly close for me as well because I thought he was excellent. Um, so we're going to move on to our predictions, um, and we've got a, a game at. 
at Luton on Friday, Easter Friday, half 12 Sky. I'm following in your footsteps, Christian. I'm, I'm putting all the advertisements out there. Um, <laughs> West Brom, yeah, West Brom at home, uh, 8pm on Sky and then Peterborough away, 3pm at London Road. You'll have to be there uh, or have IPTV or one of them bloody dodgy connections and watch it the game then. Uh, so Christian, three games. I think by Easter Monday, we'll know whether we're going to charge into the Premier League in the automatic promotions, but let's let's be let's try and have some sort of balance, eh? Uh, so let's. What's your predictions, mate? So contrary to, I don't think this game against Luton is a be all and end all because if you look at Bournemouth's run, they're going to drop points. They, it's not like they're playing the bottom six in a row. They're going to drop points. Their run is arguably as hard as ours, if not tougher. So I don't think it. Is it? I don't think we can get into this mindset of if Forest draw or even lose a game, that's it, top two gone, because that's just not going to happen. Bournemouth, especially while Parker's in charge, they will always be liable at having a mistake. And you know they've got what Borough, Coventry, Fulham, Swansea, Blackburn, and Arsenal, Millwall. They're not going to win all those games, and if they do, fair play to me, deserve seconds, but they're not. So obviously, the, 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 in that case, it's just making sure we're there to capitalise, but. Obviously, we're not going to win. We're realistically not going to win seven either because that would take us to what twelve wins in a row. That's like, I mean, as much as I'd like that to happen, I it's not realistic to think so. Um, But in regards to Luton, I think we'll draw nil nil there. I I think that's going to be a very tough game. Um, As much as I'd like to think we get a winner, I think it's going to be horrible. Nathan Jones side, ugly, just a classic scrap. With and there might be a chance a quality breaks through, but no, I'm gonna go for nil nil and wouldn't be the worst result either, really. Um, obviously, Bar have got to bounce back after their surprise loss to Hull, so they could cause Bournemouth a problem there off the get go. We could still be five points off going into Easter Monday. As for West Brom, it's a weird one, isn't it? I know, I know Bruce isn't doing particularly well, but they've still got players who, if they turn up on their day, can hurt you. I mean, obviously, they beat Bournemouth 2 0 a few weeks ago, and no, I'm just, I've already got premonitions of Andy Carroll just torturing our back line. But um, you know, with the home crowds behind us, yeah, I fancy just to win that, maybe 2-0. I think West Brom. Peterborough, well, I mean, if you don't, if you can't be beating Peterborough, you don't deserve to finish top two, really, let's be honest. Um, I know they've had a bit of an upturn recently, but we should be 3-0 like, three, minimum against them lot. They're shit. Like Grant McKellar, it's a complete waste of fucking time. The only thing they've done of note recently is gone go level of points with Derby, and hopefully they finish above them. But it won't hopefully not our expense. So I'll go for seven points for the next nine, and obviously Bournemouth have Borough, Coventry, and Fulham in that game, and Coventry's away as well. So maybe seven points gets us within touching distance. Who knows? Lee, we're going to move on to you. Obviously, what are your predictions for the the next three games, please? I'm getting used to this being optimistic, Lark. So I'm going for Forest to absolutely smash a record that stood for a hundred years with three straight wins. Um, I don't know. I, I just got. I just really hope we can beat Lewin, um, purely because of Nathan Jones. Um, it's just weird um, jumping into the stands and celebrating with fans. Very strange. Um, Narrow 1-0. I think Luton are a good side. One of the better sides we've certainly seen at the City Ground for me. Um, so, yeah, 1-0 win. 
West Brom's a difficult one. They, they're such a weird team, aren't they? They've clearly still got some very good players, but with Steve Bruce in charge, I'd like to think we can win. Um, night game again as well, sold out. Um, especially for the I just think the atmosphere will, will get, yeah, get us over the line there. Um, 2 1, I think. I think that might be the sort of game where we have to come from behind and show a bit of uh, steel. Um, and Peterborough, I echo what Christian said. I mean, I read a stat today. Um, I know you're the stats man tonight, Adam, but I'll pull one out for you. If Derby had not had minus 21, they'd have uh, been relegated on Saturday. So, I mean, that says it all, doesn't it? Um, I suppose the caveat to that is they probably could be relegated by the time we play them, um, which sometimes does give, takes the shackles off a little bit of some teams. But no, I think we're better than that. Um, I won't go quite as emphatic as Christian. I think it'll be another 2 0 win. Nice. Nine points, blimey. I, I don't think I can ever get used to saying that. Like as that being that confident as well. I mean, last week I think I think we was a three out of four of us said it and, and I, I was kind of nearly fell off the chair. Reese, on to you, pal. I know I wanted to go for nine points last time. I just you know, this team they just keep exceeding expectations, don't they? So you know, so I'm in a tricky situation now. Um Friday, yeah, it, that is going to be a tough one. Um, that's not saying we can't go there and win because we can, but I, I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw at Luton, which, to be, to be fair, let's be honest, to go away from home against a playoff rival and not get beat wouldn't be a bad result at all. It's just, you know, the levels we're performing at at the minute, it's just, you, fancy, you know, you fancy beating everybody. So, West Brom is, you know, I think it's, that's a strange one because I, I was just looking on my phone. I, I cannot remember the last time I beat West Brom at home. And looking on the phone, it was an FA Cup win in 2004, um, which we won 1-0. I remember going to that game. But before that, the last time I beat him in the league at home was... Is that too far? Is 2000, the year 2000, we beat him 1-0 and John Elder scored. So I know we haven't played him loads, but we've been... You know, in the league, pretty much a few times with him, and but you know, West Brom. I've watched them numerous times on a Monday night. It always seems to be the Monday night game. They've absolutely bored me to death. So, to to be honest, I would be ex- not expecting, but I do think we'll beat them at home. Um, and I'm going to go for two nil on that one. And then you know, like the guy said, Lee and Christian. If you can't be beaten, Peterborough are absolutely shocking. Poor side. You know, that I didn't know that's that what you just said, Lee. I mean, that that sums it up, doesn't it, really? You've got to be going there and winning. And I you know, and I think we will do, and I'm gonna go for three nil that one. So, you know, if we if we if we could get seven points from nine as a minimum, I mean that would be that would be amazing. I mean, obviously, if we can get nine, that'd be incredible. And then I think if we did get nine, we would be breathing down Bournemouth's neck then. Absolutely. Uh, for my score predictions, Luton on Friday, probably the banana skin, isn't it? Uh, I would say. But And, and they've, they've got some decent players. They're a hard-working side. Nathan Jones is a... I mean, I've, I heard a Luton fan on, a, on another podcast I listened to says you'd hate him if he's not your manager. So I can I can appreciate that, why they why they appreciate him so much and, and why they love him, because he's a... 
it's just a bit of a wind-up merchant without having to really do a lot. So um, I, if we can get away there, if we get away from a point, I'm, I'm happy with that. I think, I think I'm going to say score, draw. I think maybe 1-1 one, one or 2-2. Two, two. But I think if a team's going to win it, I think it might be defined on the smallest of margins, maybe like a dubious penalty or... Or, or something like that, and that would—I'd love that if that was like a 90th minute uh, thing for us, sort of thing to win it. Um, Monday night, West Brom, another potential but banana skin got some good players. Carl and Grant, I, I quite appreciate. Um, Callum Robinson has obviously been there and done it in this league, and and is a threat. But Steve Bruce, I'm still I'm perplexed why he's took that job. Why did he just like I don't know go to the Maldives or something for the, for the rest of the year? But um, I think we'll beat West Brom 2-0. I think it will be a hard game, but I think we'll just shine through. We'll 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 step it up and, and we'll and we'll get the goals that we need. And then you've all said it, Peterborough, a shambles of a team, really. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to put it, I don't want to be so harsh on them, but they, they've been probably one of the poorest sides to grace the championship, unfortunately. But uh, and I and I expect us to win. Um I'd say I'd say 3-0 there as well. Um I just think we'll We'll, we'll score the goals and, and and have a bit of a party down at London Road. So, um, and 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 for all that we could we could say we we may well be second by the end of the by the time we come back to record this podcast. Which I I think I would be pinching myself. I think you could all agree. So, um, yeah, <laughs> let's let's ride this roller coaster together. Eh? Uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time after the Peterborough game where we. Hope to say that we've we're now in second place. <laughs> um, but thank you for joining us. We'll speak to you soon. Thank you and good night. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See McDonald's.com.